sharing our faith and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ with others is a desire of Zion Christian Fellowship. Our prayer is that this message will have a lasting impact on your life and draw you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. This message is not copyrighted. You are free to make copies for friends and neighbors. We only ask that you copy it in its entirety without alterations or changes. Now unto the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. Greetings in Jesus' name. Is my lapel on? A little different brand, so I figure out for sure if I'm correct. What a blessing it is to be here. It's been a busy week. For many, traveling and busy week for family, and <clears throat> it's amazing what a what life altering. My uncle used to say, "He said we don't choose when people die; we don't choose when they get married. Typically, not." And so, and sometimes. Some of those events converge a little bit, a little closer than we'd like. But I don't think there's really, it's, uh, I think it's always good to, to help see the reality of, of both, you know, life and death and <clears throat> see all those things. Again, it speaks to God's faithfulness, and that's what we want to look at this morning. The title of the message is, He is Faithful. You might be tempted to think and yawn a little bit and say, well, tell me something new. Tell me something that excites me. And maybe I should, but... I was asked to speak at a Bible conference next year, and they said the theme was God's faithfulness. So I've been thinking about that, so maybe this is a trial run to have you all as guinea pigs to see what what I'm what some of my thoughts are about God's faithfulness and how that applies to our lives and I was thinking in my past, in my young years, I'm not sure exactly how all that transpired. A lot of times things are a little vague in our minds about how our perceptions were. But I remember thinking about faith. And, you know, I thought faith was kind of the the foundation. You know, if I could just... Get enough faith, and just uh, you know, really have all you know, have the faith, and and conquer mountains, and well, you just you just need more faith, more faith. And I still remember when when that uh, at least, and I don't, I'm not here to say that this is a real. Uh, the best illustration, but 
you know, a thought of faith, and that's my foundation, that's my building block, that's what I want to really focus on. And one day, it, it dawned on me that my faith rests on something. And so maybe a little better picture would be this. And my faith is in God. Well, <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's probably a good thought. Um, you know, we think about, we know God is supreme. And, uh, but I think that's worth dwelling on for a little while. Just thinking about God and his faithfulness. Why can we rest on him? In Hebrews chapter 10, if you want to turn there, you can. We'll be in there some this morning. But in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, it says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And so that was inspiring as I considered God and his faithfulness. Let us hold fast the profession without wavering. How can we do that this morning without wavering? Why? It's because he is faithful. He's faithful. He promised. And he will never let us down. Oh, and I think of the, the brother, I don't know, was it a brother here or elsewhere? But, you know, he said God isn't in some... At the judgment day, God isn't going to reach down under and pull another book out and judge us by that. It's going to be the word of God. That's what God is going to judge us by. Not some other trick that he has up his sleeve or anything like that. In Revelation, John saw the heavens open and he saw a white horse. And on this horse was seated, he that sat on it was called faithful and true. But we can rest our lives in God and his faithfulness. So I want to just spend a little bit of time this morning looking at God's faithfulness and then follow that up with our response to his faithfulness and how that applies in our lives because you know reality we can we can sit here and we can look at God all morning but and and we could I mean we can take lots of time we can take next Sunday fill that up looking at God's faithfulness but unless God's faithfulness is demonstrated in his creation in in you and I you know what 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 is his greatness for but he, he chose, well, maybe we'll look at that a little bit later as we look at his faithfulness demonstrated in the life of the believer. I may bounce around to a couple scriptures here, but in 1 Kings chapter 8, First Kings chapter 8 and verse 56. 
Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel according to all that he promised. There hath not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. There hath not failed one word out of that. And we can bank on that. We can rest in that. We can rejoice in his faithfulness. And seeing the law of gravity right in front of us. Moody once said, if all the time that I have spent praying for faith, if all that time that I've spent praying for faith was put together, it would be months. Months. All that time. Think of that. I want to remember what I was saying about faith. All that time that I prayed for faith. Prayed for faith. <clears throat> It would be months. I thought that someday faith was going to come down and strike me like lightning. But faith did not come. And one day I read in the 10th of Romans, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Moody said what I had done, I had closed my Bible and prayed for faith. I now opened my Bible and began to read God's word, and faith has been growing ever since. Isn't that encouraging? And uh, somewhere else, I didn't bother taking out the quote, but I was, uh, Hudson Taylor apparently was on a sea, on a, on, a cat, on a ship, and they were out on a calm sea, and they had something had happened. Well, there was no wind. Yeah, there was no wind. And so the, they were drifting towards the, the shore. And, you know, that might be a comforting thought, <clears throat> but of course context always helps. And on the shore there was cannibals that wanted to eat them. And so that's, you almost feel like when you're drifting something and you can't control yourself, and you're drifting towards danger, that puts a little bit in a different perspective and when you're going to be, yeah. So Hudson, uh, Hudson Taylor was on there and, and they asked him to pray that God would bring wind. And uh, so he, he asked the captain to open up the sails so that they could get the wind. And the captain said, that's ludicrous. There's no reason to put up the sails. It's not a, not a breeze in the sky. And uh, Hudson said, well, he's not going to pray unless he puts the sails up. So, okay, the captain agreed. He put the sails out. Hudson went down and went to prayer. And a while later, the captain came and knocked on his door and said, are you still praying? And he said, yes, I am. Well, he said, please stop because we have more wind than we can handle. Remember that God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us out of darkness into this marvelous light. Another uh, 
aspect of God's faithfulness that I like to think about. But it also brings pain because we realize our failures and, uh, you know, I, I can sit down with a different of us in this room and we can, we have regrets. You know, we look at, uh, we know God is faithful and the Bible talks about God's faithfulness to generations. And so, of course, we think of our children, we think of those in our influence, and, and then, you know, then there's, there's regrets sometimes. Sometimes people don't, don't do what we think they should, and, and we look at our failures, and we look at the failures of passing on the faith. And, but I think it's still good to just open up that topic in our own hearts, and just be real about it. Be honest. The Bible says in Psalm 89, I might have had a marker there maybe. Psalm 89, verse 1 says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. When Jonathan was up here with the uh, the opening, and he was talking about preparing our hearts to worship, and God would open our eyes. And, you know, your thoughts were probably being inspired, and you were thinking different thoughts. Well, I had a whole different set of thoughts than probably most of you. I was listening to Jonathan and his beachy drawl as he was up here talking. <clears throat> my mind went back to to my uncles and you know my relatives in the past. Well, see, Jonathan is his last name is Beachy, but I'm actually more Beachy than he is, even though my last name is Zook. And, of course, I think of my uncles and, and uh, of course, my uncles on that side, which one of them was Jonathan's grandfather. <clears throat> so Jonathan's father is my first cousin. And uh, so anyways, of course, all the men in that family had the beachy, beachy name. And, and, you know, there's common characteristics. They have that, that beachy drawl that, you know, maybe... Attempts to put you to sleep, and but I was, uh, I was, I was inspired by that beachy drawl, and you know I look back on my heritage, and you know we can we can pick it apart. We can we can say well there there was this there was that, and you know I could even go down my my lineage there, some of my uncles. You know, and not everything's pretty. You know, we, we like things kind of nice, cut and dry. Well, I look at my great, my grandfather, which would probably be Jonathan's great-grandfather, and, you know, he left a legacy of truth, and he left uh, a legacy of people of encouraging the coming generations to follow the truth. Well, one of his sons, which was one of my uncles, you know, there, there was a lot of um, 
It's a lot of darkness. A lot of dark, um, well, I should say, how would I say it? I, you know, and I say it respectfully, but there's a lot of failures as we look through the generations. You know, one of my uncles, half of his children showed up at his funeral. And so all these things don't really, they don't always look the way we like to think. And of course, then we look at the generations coming after us, and we, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that we, we have to consider, and I just think we, we just need to be honest about the, the difficulties we face, and and all of those things. So yeah, I was inspired in that opening in different ways than maybe maybe others were just because of family connections and and uh, you know just the the blessing of even sharing the pulpit. Same same brother, you know, who have connections from the past. God works in his marvelous ways and in bringing things together. <clears throat> Another area, well, maybe I'll just, before I leave that thought of God's faithfulness in his generations, Psalm 105, verse 8 says, He hath remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations. God is there from eternity past to eternity future, and his ways are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can count on that. Another thing I was uh, blessed with as I considered God's faithfulness <clears throat> demonstrated in his creation. Psalm 36 verse 5 says, Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. On November 24th of 2021, it's about a year and a week from today, a little over a week, there was a spacecraft that was launched. And the name of the spacecraft was DART. And it was on a 10-month mission. And its destination was over six million miles away. And this uh, destination, this rendezvous that was the, the intent, was a small rock. Of course, for us, it was big because it was about 500 feet in diameter, probably about the size of a, one of those giant pyramids over in Egypt. There was an asteroid about that size. Now... That can be pretty big sitting in right down the street here. <clears throat> but if you put that out into the vast of open space in the universe, that's a pretty small spot. But this spaceship was heading there six and a half million miles away. It was on a, on a destiny at 7.14 p.m., 10 months later. 306 days, to be exact. This big rock, where it was heading to, 
was called Dimorphos. And in the past, this, this rock, which was actually a little moon, this 500-foot in diameter rock was a little moon that was a companion, like a little moon of a bigger body, a bigger asteroid, which was a little ways off. And it was about, that asteroid was just about 2,500 feet in diameter. And this little dimorphous rock went around this big one. So whoever masterminded this mission decided that they're going to target that little one, Dimorphous. Well, at 7.14 p.m. on September 26, which is exactly 306 days later, after being ejected out of the Earth's atmosphere, this rocket impacted Dimorphous right on time. And, you know, we could probably have a good conversation on, on whether this, you know, $130 million project was worth it and, and all of that. But what fascinated me the most was how these, whoever these, uh, these people that were planning this mission, how they could ever figure that out. But I guarantee you, the only way they could figure it out was because of God's faithfulness. And that was my point. God's faithfulness in his creation is demonstrated again and again and again. And this little rock, Dimorphos, that was impacted by this rocket called a dart... And, of course, the, the, the object was to see if they could divert it a little bit to, so they could move these objects in space before we need it, of course, you know, because it was totally, un, uh, totally harmless. It wasn't, in, it wasn't on its way to the Earth, like impacting the Earth or anything, but they thought, rather do it now, you know, like an airplane, rather land your, fuel, land your plane while there's still fuel in the tank. So they wanted to impact this to see if they could deviate it, where in the future, if there's, a, if there's an asteroid that's on its collision course with the Earth, we can maybe divert it. God's faithfulness is demonstrated in his creation that such a needle in a haystack, which is probably an overstatement, could even be impacted by a rocket on Earth. <coughs> In Proverbs 30, there's a couple more uh, thoughts I'd like to pull from creation. Proverbs 30, verse 19 says, The way of an eagle, well, in verse 18 it says, There be three things which are too wonderful for me, yea, four which I know not. The way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent upon a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with the maid, with a maid. You know, this morning on the way to church, we went past a field and there was, I don't know, how many do we count? 10, 15? There was quite a few bald eagles in the field. And you know, it was fascinating to see, see all these bald eagles field. I've seen that before. It seems like in this area they're quite abundant. Do you know 
the way of an eagle in the air you know, 4,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, not much different, is it? Pretty much the same. They, uh, they fly just like they did back then. And the snakes, the serpents, they slither around very, very much like they did many years ago. The way of a ship in the midst of the sea. You know, the concept of shipping hasn't changed much either, has it? You know, you, need, you have a big boat in a big body of water. What do you need? You need propulsion and what else? A rudder. You need something to steer this thing. You need some a guidance. You need something to... You know, that hasn't changed, has it? Here we are, thousands of years later, after his creation. And all those principles are still the same. Still the same. His faithfulness endures from generation to generation. The way of a man with a maid... You know, we saw a vivid illustration of that yesterday, demonstrated in God's providence, his creation. The way of a man with a maid. And that's why we all like weddings, don't we? We all like to see that. We all like to see that come together in God's order, his beauty. And, uh, you know, there's all those little quirks and things that you just, you know, you just stand back and you just marvel. And uh, being the coordinator of the wedding yesterday, I ran into a, a little interesting little tidbit. Of course, I don't want to be too uh, um, revealing on personal details, but I thought it was pretty pretty cute. Um, so, you know, we had the ceremony, and then the bridal couple, bride and groom, they went off, they greeted the family, and went off to themselves to a room, and, and then everyone, all the rest of the, the audience you know, moved from the sanctuary to the, to the fellowship hall for the reception, and it was my job to go find this couple and tell them when it was time to come back to the, sanctuary, or to the fellowship hall, to the reception. And I went around and looked, and I looked, and I couldn't find them. I looked in every room. And finally, the very last room I looked in, or I, I, I didn't even look in there, I just knocked on the door, and I found them. And uh, so I said, well, it's, it's time to get back up. And I heard a voice, and it said, well, how much more time do we have? And I said, well, I squandered most of my time looking for you. And... So I said, uh, I, I couldn't find you for a long time. And I heard a voice that said, praise the Lord. <laughs> the way of a man with a maid. There's just some of those things that never get old, right? You know, the only, the only way all this gets messed up is when, God, when man deviates from God's order. And, you know, I mean, you you hate to even think of the corruption that is uh, present in this world as man has twisted 
this whole thing of marriage and marriage between two men or two women. And, and but you know, those things, and, and even when you have marriage in uh, where the people are not believers, you know, suddenly you look at that and you see God's order, even in that, that becomes precious to even look at that in relation to the corruption that is all around us or is being perpetuated as all around us. It's not quite as prevalent as some, but, you know, the mindset, and the it's not as prevalent as some would make you believe. But it is corrupt. But we thank God for his, his faithfulness demonstrated in a man and a woman. And when God... When, when the man and a woman choose his order, and then you put Christ in the mix there, and then it becomes beautiful. So now I'd like to just look a little bit at faith demonstrated in the believer. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says, For God, who commanded... The light, let me read that. Um, I go over that verse quite often. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. You know, when we think of the resurrection, Jesus resurrecting, bursting out of the grave, the stone was rolled away, and you know, there's all a lot of inspiration we can get out of that. You know, the 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 the, the ladies. Uh, the, the women, they went to the, on the way to the tomb that morning. They had a conversation. It was like, who, who's going to roll this stone away? And when they got there, they realized that God had already been there. The maker of the stone rolled it away, just like that. There's a lot of inspiration we can get out of, out of that. Do you know, when you really stop and think, is that really the miracle? I mean, after all, God, from eternity past, from eternity future, he has all power. God can move. Is that a real, is that a real amazing thing? Um, is, that, is that real amazing that, um, that God can do such wondrous things? What's really amazing is when he does it in your heart and my heart. When that resurrection power comes, comes out. Back again to this way of man with a maid. You know, I, th- I don't know if they're here or not this morning, but this uh, young couple was announcing that they're courting, and you know, he he had the young man had a message out that's just totally amazing. You know, and I was like, so I, I challenged him a little bit. I said, "What's so amazing about that?" You know, this. Uh, I mean, that happens all the time. The young young man and young woman start courting, and and so on. What, what's so amazing? And uh, 
I said, really, what's amazing is that she said yes to me. Isn't that right? Oh, well, yeah, he thought that probably pretty much nailed it. <clears throat> the real miracle is that when it becomes personal in the heart. And when God, in he has chosen these vessels, these earthen vessels, He's chosen them to show and demonstrate his power. When we are there in Hebrews chapter 10, maybe I should just, uh, I wanted to add here, I did put a slash in this diagram here. When I had faith and then I had the foundation underneath faith, I had God. And I wanted to put in here the word and I already did talk about that. But God's word, remember D.L. Moody, he said, he's pray and pray and pray for faith. He could put that all together and be months. But he said he had, what had happened is he closed his book, the Bible, and prayed for faith. But when he opened the Bible, that's when, that's when he was able to, that's when he, his faith started growing. So I wanted to put down in that foundation box there, under faith is God and his word. In Hebrews chapter 10 there, where our text was, where he said, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. In verse 24, the very next verse says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. And uh, then there was a few more verses on down, but I'm not sure if I had written down what I wanted to highlight. But we we get the get the idea here right after he's talking about God's faithfulness and he's and they're talking about our faith. What does he begin to talk about right after that? He's talking about works and considering each other and uh, provoking each other to love and to good works. He even talks about not assemb- not forsaking our assembling, but exhorting one another. And all of these things that were, you know, we're, we're saved by grace. Not, wait, 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 wait. What, what's, what's this all tied together? Well, I think it's, it's demonstrating to us, it's showing us how, some of, how these things are tied together. You know, we, we like to think sometimes, or we tend to think maybe a faith is something elusive and something that we can't really grab a hold of. Well, for Moody, I mean, it was simply as simple as opening the word. And faith started growing. And some of, sometimes if we begin our work of faith, works, sometimes uh, just demonstrating, allowing God to lead us, to direct us, walking in obedience to him, all of a sudden this thing starts opening up. 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, Though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains. Yet if I don't have love, it's nothing. Here it was even saying faith. I have all faith, so that I could remove the mountains. Just speak to that mountain and it's gone, into the sea. Though I have all faith, If I don't have love, it's nothing. So we need to remember that this thing of faith is tied directly to love. And so it would also, when we want to decide... And understand this thing of faith. Well here if it's tied directly to love. Well then. A study on what love is. Would be worth our time wouldn't it? What's love? Well. You don't have to go far in 1 Corinthians 13. To realize that. This thing of faith and love. Drills right down. To everyday life. Right down to where you and I walk. Tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, every day, right, right where we live, it impacts our relationships, it impacts how we interact as a brotherhood, it impacts every area of life, and we ignore that to our peril, to our destruction. Another thing that comes up when we talk about faith is tribulation. Faith is is, uh, strengthened in our trials. There was in uh, the streams in the desert, there's a, a quote there on learning You will never learn faith in comfortable surroundings. God gives us the promises in a quiet hour. God seals our covenants with great and gracious words. And when, you know, in 1 Peter, I believe it talks about the exceeding great and precious promises. Then he steps back and he waits to see how much we believe. Then he lets the tempter come, and the test seems to contradict all that he has spoken. It is then that faith wins its crown. That is the time to look up through the storm and among the trembling and the frightened, you know, these uh, seamen, you know, they're out there on on the storms. And, of course, in the case I mentioned earlier, there was the lack of storm. I mean, it was just a dead calm. But his faith was being tried all the same. That is the time to look up through the storm and among the trembling say, and we cry, I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. It's, we can rest right in his word just like he has said.
So I think towards the end here, I want to just look at the very next chapter in Hebrews. He keeps going on here about faith. And the other point that I had was faith in obedience and how obedience is tied in with faith. In Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. And in verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So if we go through this chapter, which we won't really spend a lot of time here this morning, but if we go through this chapter, we look at Abel, we look at Noah, we look at Abraham, look at Isaac, look at Moses. What did they have in common? They walked in obedience to what God showed them. And as they walked in obedience, they became the champions of faith. And we like to think maybe in our human nature... We like to think of the big things. You know, we want to be strong. We want to be looked at as, you know, being a conqueror. We can, we can do it. You know, we, we have the faith and we can move mountains and all those things. But faith is demonstrated in the everyday, the methodical, walking in obedience. I'm not, I'll probably say this wrong, but or maybe not have the best choice of words, but I know one brother thought that perhaps the weakness in some of the, you know, what maybe they call the charity movement, is we thought that we could keep this faith thing rolling by revival fires, just, you know, just really pouring the fuel on and getting it going. But he said, it really comes down to walking day by day, walking in faith, walking in the truth. And there again, I probably don't have the best choice of words. But I think, you know, we we need both of those. We need revival. We need God to again burn among us. And we long for that. And we need his, his moving, moving in us. But... You know, it's a little bit like like the engine starts, you know, a little bit like yesterday, the marriage. It was starting, and that engine was cranking, and it was, it was firing on all the cylinders. Well, maybe not even all the cylinders, but, you know, it was going. That fire is, is going. The engine is starting. But, you know, you can't, you can't really stay in that ding, 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 ding. You can't stay there very long. You know that thing, that thing finally, it gets started, and it settles down, and then the engine starts purring. 
When the engine starts purring, that oil starts sliding through all those moving parts of the marriage, the family, and the home. And then, after this engine has ran for quite a long while, then you actually get somewhere. You actually figure out what really is carrying this, this thing. Yeah, this thing had to get started. Absolutely. We can't do it without the start. And we don't apologize for the excitement surrounding the start either. That's, that's great. I, I tell these courting couples, married couples, give it all you got. Give it 120%. Just hook, line, just dive in. But you know, let's remember, let's not forget that the next day, you know, it's like one of the best marriage counsels I got was after we got married. Left the church, I left, you know, the, the church that day, the building, and, and we headed off. And uh, somewhere, one of the older ladies in the church got managed to get a message through a phone call or something, and she said, remember that the sun comes up in the east. I thought, you know, that's, that's good to remember. I even had a psalm that I pulled out that, that talked about God's greatness and his magnificence, but it also was like right in the context of the sun coming up and coming down. You know, just remember those steady things. You know, we need the start. We need the fire. We need those glowing embers. But those glowing, those, that those fires create those glowing embers that last for a long time. God, he is faithful. And because he is faithful then that faith is demonstrated in us and through us as we walk in obedience, we walk in humility, surrender before him. So I think that's all I had here this morning. God bless you, and I just want to thank each one of you for uh, the impact that many of you have had on my journey of faith. And let's remember that the fight isn't over. Let's keep, uh, keep the faith, keep the fires burning, and uh, may God truly uh, work in our lives day by day, moment by moment, that we can, we can be victorious. Faith is the victory. But remember our faith rests on God and his word and his love. God bless you.